This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. So I'm going to be preaching this morning and then I'll be preaching again this evening. Those of you that are visiting us and are with us on live stream, uh, we have a powerful message today. If you want to join us uh, at, the celeb- at the connections tonight, we're going to have uh, an amazing message. I'm going to be talking about those that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. It's a season for God to help you in strengthening you, but he also wants you to do exploits. And some of you have uh, sensed something, and God wants to unlock that for you. And tonight we'll be talking about that. Today I'm speaking to you about uh, a series that we'll be doing over the next month called Willing in the Day of His Power. God's people or God's children will be willing in the day of his power. Psalm 110 verse 3 says, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Psalm 62 11 says, God has spoken once, twice I have heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Everybody say, power belongeth unto God. Psalm 21, verse 13 says, Be thou exalted, Lord, in thine own strength. So we see, so will we sing and praise thy power. This morning, I don't know about you, but the worship was outstanding. The sense of God's presence. But I sensed God's power as we were worshiping today. I, of course, I've been studying this, and, but I did sense God's power. I sense God speaking to us. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit last night in my uh, sitting out on my veranda. And uh, I'll share it with you sometime. But God spoke to me very clearly that the season of change is now. The season of change is here. And I think you should expect change. Before the end of this year is out, I think you should expect change. I think in your personal life, I think in your businesses, I think in your families, I think in the church, and I think in the nation, we should expect change. Amen? Matthew 28 says this. It says in verse 18, And Jesus came, and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Look, God is a God. Of power, might, and dominion. That simply means there's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he can't do. He can bring rivers out of a rock. He can divide the Red Sea with the breath of his nostrils. He can cause the sun and the moon to stand still so that a Joshua can defeat an enemy. He can calm the raging storm from the bow of a boat with a single word. Peace, be still. He can burn cancer out of a body. He can open blind eyes. He can deliver a drug addict or an alcoholic. He can restore broken marriages. All things are possible to him that believeth. Now, I could go on, but let me stop there and just say that we're in agreement that our God is a God of power and he's a God of might. Would you agree with that? But I want you to look at what our text says today. Thy people shall be willing 
in the day of thy power. Thy people. Just leave that up for a minute. Because this text, it, it makes a distinction that although God is all-powerful, there is what is recognized as a day of his power. He is all-powerful, but there is a day of his power. And a response in his people in the day of his power. See, it's not enough that there's a day of his power. But the fact is that God says that something would happen to his people in the day of his power. And I think that we need to look at that very, very carefully. That word day means a specific time of visitation, revelation, and manifestation. A specific time of visitation, revelation, manifestation. You see... When there's a visitation of the very presence of God, accompanied by revelation and manifestation of his power, what it does is it produces a willingness of heart. It does something in the hearts of people. You know, we can sing about it, we can preach about it, we can talk about it, we can teach about it, we can shout about it. And still many of us, many of God's people, remain sometimes apathetic and even slothful, cold and indifferent. As I think of Zimbabwe at this current time, I see so many people that are just worn down, discouraged, and they're tired. They're tired. It's just all they can do is to put one foot in front of another these days. It's like, What's happening? And the Bible teaches us that the enemy would work in such a way so as to distract us to, in a way that would lead us to destruction. So as to discourage us in a way that would cause us to reject God. Or that would so cause us to be involved in just the daily lifestyle that we have no time. To think, reflect, meditate, caught up. And we know that they see God. And I see that happening. I see so many people uh, just being caught up. And we know what the issues are. I mean, in a country where we have no electricity, virtually. I mean, you know, you don't run your business successfully. You know, you can't run your business successfully with electricity only for a few hours every night. And any other country in the world that would be unacceptable but in Zimbabwe we I guess just accept these things as being normal today we have no water so we have people spending all their time finding water standing at spigots no running water we have unjust monetary policies the monetary policies of our nation are unjust it's just institutionalized theft and corruption. Two-tiered financial systems have never worked, but our government loves it that way because that's how they steal from us. They take your money at U.S. dollar values. If you don't spend it in 30 days, it's not your money anymore. And they give it to you one-to-one. -one. We have businesses that are out of business today because they did work for the government or other institutions in town 
paying U.S. dollars or rand, but when it comes time to get paid, they get paid in bond. One to one. One to one. It's not one to one. It's 22 to one. And that's a false balance and an unjust balance, and God says it's an abomination to him and it's wrong. And you can call it what you want to. You can say, oh, it's just how we do business in Zimbabwe. It's an unjust balance, and God hates it and despises it. And God removes people for those kind of things. But it wears people out. You get worn out. But it's institutionalized theft. People work their whole lives to receive a pension. Just a couple the other day. They spent their whole lives working here. Their pension was $42 each. Oh, no, I, I take that back. They, they raised the pension. They get 300 bond each now. Now, what can you buy with 300 bond? Now, that's your pension. When they should be receiving 5,000 U.S. for the rest of their lives. But it's institutionalized theft. Mismanagement at the highest level. But no, no, we won't call it that. We just say, well, you know, that's just how it is. We're doing the best we can. No, it's, it's wrong. We're stealing from the pension funds and somebody's mismanaged it. But we'll never chase those people because it's institutionalized. We, we do it with impunity. Total mismanaged and broken medical system. The whole system's broken. And yet, we'll fire doctors instead of fix the system. This is ignorance gone to seed. We've politicized the judicial system. It's not independent. The judicial system is not independent. You can hardly get a free and fair trial. And then what we do is, we know this, that if you try to sue the government, they love it. Because they'll just tie it up in court forever. And they never take responsibility. And they don't have anything to give you if you won anyway. So it's a broken system. There's no effective police force. We've dismantled our police force virtually. Now, they were way heavy-handed before. Now, there's virtually no, no police at all. Occasionally, one person will be directing traffic. But that's been left to the street kids now. Our street kids are risking their lives to help direct traffic. We have people that are running red lights, and we don't have a police officer in sight. We don't have any way or means of bringing any law and order on our roads. But that's okay because that's just how we do things. We have broken infrastructure. Everything's broken. There's nothing working. There's not a road in sight that you can believe in. We put brand new street lights up. None of them work. Somebody made a lot of money on that. That should be looked into. I don't know how you put brand new lights up, you spend good money, and then none of them work. Ah, uh, I'll tell you what happened. Somebody quoted for the, the right thing and been put in the wrong stuff, cheaper stuff that doesn't work. But will anybody be prosecuted? But we're all supposed to sit here and pretend like we can't see it. But it wears you and I out. 
and it's your and my tax money that's being misused and misappropriated for somebody's selfish gain. But will you speak about it? Probably not. We have a weaponized tax office. Anybody who dares make a little bit of money, don't you worry, Zimra will be on your case to extract every single cent. And they'll also tell you how to run your business because that little kid that can hardly wipe his nose that just came out of university knows more about business than you know about your business. And they'll tie you up for days, months, even years. Oh, and you have to pay first, and then you have to prove your innocence. You're guilty until proven innocent. It's no way to run a country. But it's of the devil. This is devilish. These are things that are inspired by the devil to wear out the saints. Not only that, now some bright spark is now going to penalize you and I every single day. And every time you come back through the border with groceries, you've got to prove where you got the money from to pay for your groceries. Are you kidding me? How about if we have our government ministers show us where they get their money from for their vehicles? How about the MPs telling us how they live, the lifestyle they live, and get U.S. dollar salaries? But no, you're, you're, you're telling me that now every time I, that, that, that's, this is also foolishness. We have a lot of self-serving people in positions that, will ref that refuse to give any form of leadership. The only thing they lead for is for themselves. They take for themselves. Our city works with people to put together projects that could bless the nation. And once this project goes in, what do they do? They go behind the scenes and sell off some of the pieces of the land, some of the things that could be dutifully done. They sell it piecemeal so to destroy the whole project for selfish personal gain. Stealing people's ideas, stealing them outright. This is diabolical. Oh, and we should never criticize anyone because if you criticize, oh, what? What? We just roll over and, and, and close our eyes, put our head in the sand and believe that what's happening in our nation is normal. It is not normal. This is not normal. This is ridiculous. At one time, you know, you could kind of mark it up to inexperience or you could mark it up to, you know, well, you know, give them a chance. We gave them a chance. It's worse now than it's ever been. And the people can't bear it anymore. So there's quite a bit to be discouraged about, wouldn't you say? But a day of God's power changes everything. A visitation, revelation, and manifestation of the power of God causes the heart to do willingly what it had done grudgingly. When the power of God shows up, people pray willingly. They sing willingly. They give willingly. They attend church. They read their Bibles willingly. You know, a hundred years of programs can never accomplish what one day of God's power can do. 
what we need at the close of 2019, like never before, is a day of God's power. Zimbabwe needs a day of God's power. So does Celebration Church. So does each of our families and our businesses and our schools, our clinics, our courts, our football clubs, our institutions, you name it. We all need a day of God's power. Without the power of God, there's no Pentecost. It would have just been another meeting of a group of frightened people in an upper room. Afraid of the Romans, afraid of the Sanhedrin, afraid of people hiding in an upper room. But it was the Holy Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost and made all the difference in the lives of these normal people. A day of power. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That word power is a very interesting word. The definition is strength, might, energy, ability. The ability, strength, and energy to make a difference, to change a situation. Boy, if we've ever needed a day of power, we need that today in Zimbabwe. We need the strength, the energy, and the ability to make a difference, to change a, solution, to change a situation, to bring solutions to our problems. Just tap your neighbor say, I think his preaching is better than your amening this morning. Power is not power until it makes a difference. There are all kinds of power. Today we talk a lot about solar power. <laughs> Nuclear power, atomic power, hydropower, steam power. Wish we had some hydropower. Electrical power. But power is the ability to change things and to make a difference. We can tell the world that we have power. We can talk about the Holy Ghost. We can even speak in tongues. But if it hasn't changed our lives, if it hasn't made a difference between us and the world, it's just talk. What makes you different than the rest of the world? What makes you and I stand out? What gives us the ability to make a difference? The power of God that works on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit. We recognize the power of God on the earth through the word of God because it always makes a difference. It always has made a difference. It changes the situation when God's word impacts a situation, when God's word moves in a situation, when God's Holy Spirit shows up, it makes a difference in people's lives. God looked into the Could somebody just go back here? There's some people just talking back here that's really distracting for me. God looked into the darkness when the whole world was in chaos and he spoke his word. He said, let there be light. And everything came into order. The chaos was made orderly. God's word can bring order out of chaos. Jesus looked at death and he said, let there be life. And there was life. Jesus looked at the storm and said, peace, be still. And there was peace. Jesus looked at the leper and said, be clean. And instantly he was made clean. Jesus spit in the dirt and made a little mud ball. 
And he rubbed it into the blind man's eyes and he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And a man who had never seen the flowers, and had never looked into his mother's face, came back with perfect sight. When Jesus walked this earth, that was a day of God's power. A time of visitation, revelation, and manifestation. I think of Exodus 29, when God came down on Mount Sinai. Thunder, fire, and smoke, the sound of a trumpet blast. It was so terrible in the sight of Moses, so terrible in the sight of the people that Moses said this. He says, I exceedingly fear and tremble. It was a day of God's power. And then the people said, just tell us what to do and we'll do it. It changed the whole of Israel in one moment. People said, Moses, we don't want to go up on that mountain. You just tell us what to do, we'll do it. He's an awesome God. It changed them in a twinkling of an eye in a moment. I mentioned this earlier, but when God visited these 120 poor souls in the upper room in Jerusalem, when he filled them with the Holy Ghost and fire, And they spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem. And 5,000 or 3,000 were saved that day. Every man hearing them speak the word of God in their own language. That was a day of visitation. There was a day of God's power. When God visited a humble, think about this, he visited a humble shack. If you understand what I'm talking about, go read it. On the back streets of the, one of the largest cities in America, Los Angeles, California, in a little suburb called Azusa, he filled people there in that little shack with the Holy Ghost and fire. You may not have studied Azusa, the Azusa Street Revival, but everything you see today, the Pentecostal, charismatic, Assemblies of God movement was birthed out of a little house, a shack of some people that were praying, seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A day of God's power. Here's the good news. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. God never changed. God doesn't change. God doesn't change. I believe, especially for us in Zimbabwe, it's a time for another day of God's power. I think we're right on time. God's never late. I confess he misses quite a few opportunities to be early. <laughs> but he's never late. This is the close of a decade. God has given us great and precious promises, many prophetic decrees, and a, there's a host of praying saints that are sensing a shift in the atmosphere. God spoke to me clearly on my veranda last night. There's a change coming. Change. I heard it. What is it going to take to see another day of God's power? What's it going to take? Two points and I'll close. Number one. Hunger, hunger, spiritual 
hunger. Some of you know of a man named John G. Lake. He worked in these parts for a while. The AFM was birthed out of his ministry. But uh, he tells a story on himself. As it's, uh, you know, one day he comes into his home where, where he was living on a farm in a country kitchen. And he's very, very hungry. And he smells this hot bread and it's not on the kitchen counter, but it's set out on the workbench. And he's so hungry that he just can't resist. And he sits down and he eats it all. <laughs> Even though it's very gritty, like eating sand, his hunger wins out. Just as he finishes it, his sister comes in and asks, John, you didn't eat that bread that was on the workbench, did you? And John confessed that he did. And she laughed him to scorn. She said, that was made of all the kitchen scraps and the chaff of grain and the sawdust and everything that was picked up off the floor. She said it's what we call, she, she said it's, it's what they called cow bread. That was the cow bread. And that's bread that you used to feed the cows. It had corn husks and corn cobs and all the scraps of food that had been thrown around. And she had baked it and it smelt good, but I guess when you're hungry, you'll eat anything, right? Hunger. David, Psalm, Psalm 63, David is in Engedi. He's running away from Saul. And he says, oh God, thou art my God. Early I will seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Boy, I tell you what, if there's ever, ever a prayer you need to pray, I think that's the prayer to pray. If there's a land that thirsts for water, both naturally and spiritually, this is that land. If we've ever needed a spiritual revival, it's now. If we've ever needed God to touch us, it's now. If we've ever needed reformation, it's now. If we've ever needed transformation, it's now. If we ever needed a miracle, it's now. David was in distress, chased down like an animal, hiding in caves. Oh God, thou art my God. Early I will seek thee. Early, I'm getting up early to seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Can I tell you something? If you go with us to Israel, we're going in July, by the way. If you go with us to Israel, we go to En Gedi. It's one of my favorite places. You're in the middle of the desert. It's a dry and thirsty land. But En Gedi is a spring. All the elements of this story are right there. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. You're like this spring in Getty. You are life to me. When you're thirsty, let me tell you something. When you're hungry, you'll seek God. See, Isaiah also had a hunger for God. He's hungering for the day of his power. Oh, it began with just a desire to know God and to know that God was watching over him. We see it in Isaiah 63, 15. It says, Isaiah says, look down from heaven 
and behold from your habitation of your holiness and of thy glory. Where is thy zeal and thy strength? The, sound, the, the sounding of thy bowels and of thy mercies towards me. Are they restrained? What he's saying is, hey, God, look down here. See me and have mercy on me. Let me sense your bowels of compassion, your, how you feel towards me. Are they restrained? No, they're not. They're not restrained. God never restrains himself from us. But you see, it wasn't enough for him. His hunger kept growing until he could no longer be satisfied to know that God was just watching him. It's not enough to know that God's just watching you. In Isaiah 64, look what he says. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. That the mountains might flow down at your presence as when the melting fire burneth and fire causes the waters to boil. To make thy name known to thine adversaries that the nations may tremble at thy presence. Oh, I'll tell you what, we need a move of God that would put the fear of God in the nation. Put the fear of God in these leaders that do not fear God, do not reverence him, and do not care about people. I don't know about you, but I'm hungry. I'm hungry for a day of God's power. Like David, my soul is thirsty and my flesh longs to see the power and the glory of God in the sanctuary. I don't know about you, but is there anybody out here that is like Isaiah who would say, Lord, rend the heavens and come down? Do you believe that? How many of you? Six of you? If you believe that, stand up. Let's pray. Because I believe in the power of prayer. And I believe we can pray this prayer and God will hear his people. Do me a favor. Just take the hand of the person with you as a sign of your agreement with them. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, Jesus. we desire desire. to humble ourselves under your hand today. We know that our enemy is overwhelming our nation. We are in distress. We are in a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. There's no hope of a future. None of our leaders can show us a way forward. They only devise more plans to take. Father, we're asking today that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down in your might, in your power, that you would manifest yourself. Give us revelation. And we are willing in the day of your power Father, for the sake of those who cannot speak, of those who cannot lift their hands anymore, we make intercession today. Help us to help others. Help us to be your hand extended. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your power. Revive us again. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Take your seats. Please sit down. Let me give you my second point and I'll close, okay? My second point and I'll close. So first of all is hunger. Secondly is holiness. Holiness. You see, if we're ever going to see a day of God's power in the church and in our lives, we're going to have to sanctify ourselves. I know that sounds old-fashioned, especially for some of you. You probably never heard the word. You need to go look it up. But it's the old paths that lead us to power. All this modernity, all of the so-called wise men of our day have forsaken the ancient paths. And where has it led us? We don't need God. We're smart enough without him. No, we need God. Joshua 3 and verse 5 says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. <laughs> I love that. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We can't see God without holiness. Matthew 5, 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's time to purify our hearts. Psalm 101, 2. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Wow. You know, I'm concerned today because I see something happening across the land. I see so many people who are becoming drunk on the pleasures of this life. It's not bad enough that you don't have hardly any time because you're Scrimping and scraving just to get enough to get by. Water, electricity, however you do it. But then when you do have time, we're drinking in the pleasures of music and television and gambling and psychics and witch doctors. And we're mixing of our faith. We're mixing our faith with witch doctors and traditions, looking to anything and everyone. But we're not truly sanctifying ourselves wholly and completely to Jesus and putting our trust in God without waver. I'm observing Christians who are filling their lives and their homes up with junk, allowing things into their homes and their lives that are grieving the Holy Spirit. And then they're wondering why they aren't experiencing any of the power of God. You can't bring Muti into your house and trust God at the same time? You can't spend all your time, you can't spend any of your time, honestly, lusting after other women on your porn sites, dating sites. Or other men, and then think your marriage is going to get healed. Got to work on your marriage. 
Bible says this in Luke 21, 34. It says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life so that that day come upon you unaware. There is a day coming, I'm telling you, where God will return. Not just a visitation, but the last visitation. And when that happens, you don't want to be unaware. You don't want to be drunkenness, in drunkenness and surfeiting and the cares of this life. See, the devil has deceived many of God's people into believing that something is funny when it's not, it, it, that if something is funny, it's not wrong. You know, somebody can say something and we laugh at it. <laughs> no, no, it may be funny, but it's, it's still wrong. It's still wrong. We have all these comedians today. And they say things that 20 years ago, if they would have said those things, they would have been taken off television. But now they can mock God. They can mock people. They can say very vile things. And we laugh at it. <laughs> That's funny. Sin is sin. Filth is filth. And perversion is perversion. And it doesn't matter what setting it's in. Another deception is, as long as I know I would never do it, then it's okay to watch it. As long as I know I would never do it, it's okay to watch it. Well, I want you to watch this. This. I don't think that's the right video, guys. That's not the right video. There we go. Are these films having an effect on our youth? Why do so many young girls want to be princesses, idolizing their every words? The girls and the boys acting out their favorite fantasies. I can't fly. I can't fly. You can't fly. I can fly. No, you can't. You can't. Yes, I can. You can. You can. I can. I'm telling you, I can fly along this room. My eyes closed. Okay, then, Mr. Lightbeer. Prove it. Science might have an answer for why we imitate what we see. This is brand new science. This is just out of the lab. We may have some special circuitry in our brains that helps us whenever we look at each other. Well, as it happens, scientists have an explanation for this strange ability to connect. It's new, and it began entirely by accident at a laboratory in the lovely old city of Parma, Italy, where a group of brain researchers was working with monkeys. And they were testing a neuron, that's a brain cell, that always fired, made this sound, whenever the monkey would grab for a peanut. So the lab had all these peanuts around, and whenever the monkey made its move, the neuron would fire. Scientists thought, now here's a neuron that is essential to motion. It's a motor neuron. Then one day, the monkey was just sitting around, not moving at all, just sitting, when a human scientist came into the lab, and when that scientist grasped the peanut, yeah, the monkey's cell fired. Now, the monkey hadn't moved. It was the human that had moved, suggesting that this neuron up here couldn't tell the difference between seeing something and doing something. Seeing and doing were the same. 
Or more intriguingly, that for this neuron, watching somebody do something is just like doing it yourself. To demonstrate, he put me into this very powerful fMRI brain scanner that can peer into the brain while it's working. And he gave me some goggles so he could show me pictures when I was in there. So you can see here the eyeball of Robert. And once he had a good view into my brain... Nice looking brain. Thank you. Robert, you're not supposed to talk when we scan you, all right? Sorry. Then he said, okay, I'm gonna show you a bunch of faces. And for each face, I want you to imitate it. So I did that. Then he recorded my brain while I moved my facial muscles. We're gonna do right away another one. Okay. Then he said, okay, same faces, but this time, don't move a muscle, just look. So I looked. When we checked the results, oh, there's my brain. I've never seen my brain before. This is your mirror area. Jacoboni says that the part of my brain that's working when I make a face, the same part gets busy when I see the face. So if you're watching a cartoon with an angry or violent scene, your mirror neurons are firing as if you were doing the very same angry or violent act. It makes sense why Christ made this statement in Matthew 15, 21 and 22. Ye have heard it said of them, of old time. Thou shalt not kill, and whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. We know that the act of violating God's laws starts in the mind. Jesus illustrates it like this in Matthew 5:28. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So holiness is an important part of God's day. The power of God. A, a day when God's power appears. In a day of God's power, the supernatural becomes natural. Hard things become easy. The Holy Spirit flows freely. Sinners are convicted of their sin. And saints live holy lives. Today there's many people. And they just actually believe that you can live however you want to and God's going to wink at sin. That God's just going to let you go to heaven because, hey, you said, I love Jesus, or you said some magic formula. No, that's not true. The Bible says all liars, all thieves, all adulterers, all fornicators, all fearful will have their share in the lake of fire. Is there anyone here that's not a thief, not a liar, not a fornicator? See, we're all guilty. And it's not just the fact that you prayed a prayer. It's not a prayer you pray, it's a life you live. 
And the basis of going to heaven isn't, well, I'm trying to be good or I'm trying to be a nice person or I'm, I'm really trying to, 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 to do the best I can. I'm being the best I can be. It's not about being the best you can be. It's about what Jesus did for you and I. He paid the price. He died on the cross, suffered for you and I. And our entrance into heaven, heaven cannot be by anything we've done. It's only by what he has done. But we must allow him to also work in our lives and lead us to a place of real hunger, real thirst, and real holiness. If I were to confront you individually, I would ask you, on what basis do you believe that you deserve heaven? Some people say, well, I'm a good person. I do good. I'm a good night. I'm a nice guy. No. You don't go to heaven because you're a nice person. You go to heaven because Jesus paid the price for it all. You're still a sinner. Somebody says, well, I don't even really believe that there's a heaven. I think you just die. You're willing to bank your eternity on that? God created you a living spirit that never dies. Your body's going to die, yes. But your spirit will live and your soul will live forever. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've, and, and it's not just giving your life to Jesus, it's repenting and saying, I need to live a holy life. I need God to break in on my life. I need to know that I'm saved. I need, and, and you know, we all know when you're saved because your life reflects it. You, you, you begin to sense God working in you. You change. You begin to be convicted when you do wrong. You know that it's wrong. And God begins to speak to you. That's called holiness. When you obey God instead of the dictates of your flesh. When you're born again, you begin to get hungry for God. You begin to get thirsty for Him. That spirit man desires Him. If you're here today and you say, I'm not sure I'm born again. Or maybe you've backslidden. You're just really far from God. You're not hungry anymore. You're not thirsty. And in this dog-eat-dog world, you just have kind of given up and you say, hey, every man for himself, I'm going to take what I can. And you're not trusting God. You're just actually part of the problem. You're not holy for sure. But if you're ready to repent, I'd like you just to bow your heads and think about it. What have you been doing with your life? Are you ready to turn away from that? Put new pictures in your mind. Take on a new vision. Your day of visitation, of revelation and manifestation can begin today by simply opening your heart and your mind to Jesus. If somehow 
the words I'm speaking are speaking to your heart, would you just raise your hand and say, man, you're talking to me. Just with your head bowed and your eyes shut, everybody, just raise your hand and say, you're talking to me today. Pastor, you're talking to my heart. Just raise your hand. Just up and down so I can see. God bless you. 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 There's hands going up everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, yes. Yes. Just up and down so I can see. Raise your hand. That's me, Pastor. You're talking to me. Yes, I see all these hands here in the middle. I see, oh, there's a bunch of hands over here. Hand over here. Hand back there. Hands in here. I need God, I need a visitation. I need a day of the Lord in my life. I need a day of the Lord. I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to say, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of being chased by the enemy. Would you visit me and my family? Starts with me. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.